Welcome to the Dr. Bub's Performance Podcast, giving you the latest evidence-based research and cutting-edge insights for elite mental and physical performance. He's connecting you directly with the world's leading experts and coaches. Here's your host, Dr. Bubs. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Bubs Performance Podcast, evidence-informed, practical-based. This is Season 2, Episode number 47, and today we're talking about a personal favorite topic of mine, coffee, caffeine, and its impact on resistance training. And with me to discuss this is expert Jozo Gurdjic. In this episode, Jozo will share the mechanisms of how caffeine impacts resistance exercise. He'll also talk about what the research says for strength and power-based exercises, as well as the differences between lower versus upper body movements. Joza will talk about whether caffeine's impact on perceived exertion and pain has any effect on resistance training. Discuss the wide range of dosing strategies and some new research around high doses for 1RM efforts. Finally, Joza will compare coffee versus caffeine, talk about caffeinated gels and gums, and of course, share his thoughts on the evolution of caffeine research. Real fun chatting with Jozo on this topic. As always, you can check out the podcast summary for the studies discussed here, as well as the show notes at drbubs.com forward slash podcast. If you're interested in more on this topic, then definitely circle back to season one, episode number six, with expert Nancy Guest on nutrigenomics, caffeine, and endurance exercise. Season 2, episode 10 with Dr. Ian Dunikin on caffeine and its impacts on sleep and professional rugby players. And Season 2, episode 17 with Prof. Stu Phillips on evidence-based supplements for high-performance athletes. Of course, you can check out all these experts and more on YouTube, iTunes, or your favorite pod-catching platform. Make sure you subscribe and you won't miss any of the phenomenal guests lined up for the rest of this year and some fantastic ones teed up for 2019 as well. Awesome. Ladies and gents, if you enjoy this show in this episode, please send out a tweet, share on Facebook, add it to your Instagram story or email to a friend to share some of these incredible insights from Jozo today. All right, before we get started, a quick word from this episode's sponsor, Totem Sport. Totem Sport is the world's only 100% natural supplement. No sugar, no artificial flavors, absolutely nothing added. Totem Sport is the world's purest deep ocean mineral water. Collected from natural algae blooms in the Atlantic Ocean, Totem Sport is the only sport drink supplement that contains all 78 naturally occurring minerals and trace elements. The research on deep ocean mineral water is ramping up, a recent study highlighting its major promise as the optimal rehydrating strategy over spring water and other sports drinks. Go to totemsport.co.uk, use the promo code DRBUBS10, D-R-B-U-B-B-S-10, at checkout and save 10%. Totem Sport is the evolution of hydration, the world's only 100% natural sport drink, tested and approved by Informed Sport and Informed Choice. Go to totemsport.co.uk and defy the norm. All right, let's get rolling. Season 2, Episode 47. Enjoy. My guest today is Jozo Gurdjic, a researcher from Croatia with a master's degree in exercise science. Jozo is currently doing his PhD in exercise science and exercise physiology, 
with a focus on the effects of caffeine supplementation on exercise performance at Victoria University, Melbourne. Jozo has co-authored around 30 peer-reviewed papers, collaborated with the likes of Brad Schoenfeld and many of them, with a focus on resistance exercise prescription and caffeine supplementation. Jozo, really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Terrific. Well, maybe we can start this conversation off with you giving listeners a little bit more about your background and how you got into the, the research side of things. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, so in 2014, I, I finished my, uh, my master's degree back in Croatia. Um, towards, the end of, towards the end of it, I developed an uh, interest in, uh, in science, in the science part of it. Uh, did one project for my uh, master's thesis. Uh, in, the two, in the two years afterwards, I uh, kind of worked uh, as a personal trainer, but I found myself uh, often reading science papers and back in 2016, decided to go back to school, uh, decided to publish more, um, hooked up with Brad Schoenfeld and we collaborated ever since. And last year, I started my PhD here at uh, Victoria University, got a, an offer for a scholarship uh, in Melbourne. So I moved now and doing my PhD in exercise science and we predominantly focus on the effects of caffeine on, on exercise, mostly on resistance exercise. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Phenomenal. Well, looking forward to talking caffeine and resistance training here today. And of course, yeah, likewise. Of course, many beverages and foods do contain caffeine, but obviously, you know, coffee is sort of far and away the most popular I believe, second only to water as the most widely consumed beverage. Um, and apparently, I was reading about 1.6 billion cups of coffee consumed every single day, which is sort of mind-boggling. Um, so if we jump in here and talk the effects of caffeine on resistance training, can you discuss how caffeine might impact things like maximal strength and muscle endurance? Yeah, yeah, sure. So we, we just recently published a review paper on the effects of caffeine and resistance exercise. And I've also published a few original papers prior to this one. And basically from the current evidence, it seems that caffeine increases both strength and muscular endurance in resistance exercise as well as uh, muscular power. So caffeine... Um, some of the mechanisms by which caffeine can increase uh, performance in resistance exercise seem to predominantly relate to the effects of caffeine on uh, motor unit recruitment. So there's actually one really cool paper that examined this topic. Uh, it was published a couple of years ago, and they tested the effects. Uh, they tested uh, uh, motor unit recruitment uh, before the ingestion of caffeine. And after uh, the, ingest the ingestion of caffeine, and it showed that basically the recruitment of motor units is increased by around 10%. Interesting. And, yeah, and that increase in motor unit recruitment is probably uh, the primary reason, the primary mechanism that might explain the effects of caffeine on strength. Now, uh, when we talk about the percent change or the effect of magnitude of the effect, it's not uh, quite large. It's, uh, it's actually pretty small. Uh, so in our study where we tested the effects of caffeine on upper and lower body strength, the increase in strength was around 3%. Uh, 
uh, with quite quite a high dose. It was a dose of six milligrams per kilogram. So while caffeine can definitely increase performance in resist in the resistance exercise, the effect uh, magnitude might not be all that high. Yeah, I suppose it depends on the population. Three uh, percent can be a lot, obviously, in the more um, elite and trained individuals. Is there any? Is it similar in terms of the changes in power with the caffeine? In terms of the yeah, effect? That, yeah, in, in general, it seems that the effect of caffeine is somewhat greater on power. Um, so the effect of caffeine might be more on increasing contraction velocity than maximal force production. With that being said, there's only a couple of studies that examined power in resistance exercise. So I think there's only four. Um, the majority of studies examined the effects of of caffeine on strength, and uh, yeah, so the, the effect might be a bit greater on power and on endurance than on strength in resistance exercise. And amongst those, when we look at differences between lower body and upper body exercises, are there uh, tangible differences there, whether it's maximal strength, power with, with caffeine? Yeah, so uh, like historically, it has been suggested that the effects of caffeine seem to predominantly manifest in the lower body. So that study that I talked about, about uh, motor unit recruitment, so they examined percentage of motor unit recruitment in the quads and in the elbow flexors. And before the ingestion of caffeine, uh, the percent of motor unit recruitment in the quads is around 85%. But in the elbow flexors, it's around 97, 98%. So when you ingest caffeine, there's a much uh, more greater um, area for improvement in the lower body because the percentage of motor, um, percentage of motor unit recruitment uh, in the lower body is not towards, the, uh, towards its maximal values, while in the upper body it seems that it is. So there was one meta-analysis published in 2010 and they observed that the effects of caffeine predominantly manifest in the, in the lower body but not in the upper body musculature. Um, in yeah. that study that we, that we did uh, a couple of years back, we also tested the effects of caffeine on upper body and lower body strength. We used the uh, back squat exercise and bench press, and there was a significant increase in lower body strength. Uh, and then the, uh, a couple of months back, we actually did a meta-analysis on the effects of caffeine, focusing only on 1RM tests. And in that meta-analysis, uh, we actually found the opposite when we pulled all of the studies. So meta-analysis means that we uh, reviewed the evidence and pulled the studies that examined uh, the effects of caffeine on a specific topic. So we looked at 1RM strength. And the effects of, uh, seem to be greater in the upper body, which is in contrast to the meta-analysis from 2010. So it's kind of still tricky to say. Um, yeah, I imagine. And, and for yourself, in terms of... Um you know, what would your opinion be in terms of what might be happening there between those two conflicting results? And does it depend on, you know, the individuals in the population, whether we're talking sort of untrained individuals versus, you know, team sport athletes yeah. versus even, you know, let's say power lifters? Or yeah, well, yeah uh, my thoughts are that uh, uh, there's not a lot of studies that compare directly both uh, upper and lower body strength tests. And when you kind of, when you pull uh, made analysis that examined uh, when you pull studies in a meta-analysis that examined different strength tests, sometimes you can get some unpredictable results. Um, 
So my thoughts on it are that probably caffeine can increase both upper and lower body strength, but the magnitude of the effect is probably lower for lower, lower body strength. Um, as far as the training st status goes, I'm not, uh, I'm not too convinced that the effects differ between trained and untrained individuals. Uh, it is commonly suggested that the effects of caffeine are predominantly in uh, trained lifters, but there's only one study that, that included both trained and untrained, and they actually found the opposite. So caffeine increased strength in the untrained individuals, but not in the trained individuals. Interesting, so yeah, so lots to be parsed out then. So yeah, it's a lot of conflicting findings. So. And what about the rate of perceived exertion? Obviously, in endurance athletes, we see this as a significant benefit. Does that also translate as well with resistance training and caffeine? Yeah, so uh, there is pretty good evidence suggesting that the uh, performance-enhancing effects of caffeine in aerobic exercise are predominantly due to the effects of caffeine on reducing RPE, or rating of perceived exertion. Um, but in, in resistance exercise, I don't honestly think so. We, in our study that we did, we actually observed a, a decrease in RPE, which was coupled with uh, an increase in strength, suggesting that RPE might uh, also contribute to the performance-enhancing effects in resistance exercise. But I think predominantly it, uh, the effects of caffeine are on motor unit recruitment in resistance exercise. Um, RPE, reductions in RPE might contribute to the performance-enhancing effects, but uh, I, I would say the jury is still out on that one. It's still pretty unclear. Yeah, that's really interesting stuff. And, you know, I previously had Nancy Guest on in uh, season one of the podcast talking about her research in caffeine and endurance athletes. Um, and, of course, that you know, the, the ability to metabolize caffeine, the, obviously the main enzyme responsible for caffeine metabolism, cytochrome P450, that CYP1A2 gene, which accounts for, you know, 95% or so of the caffeine clearance. And she, she found that there was what she called ultra-slow metabolizers that actually had a negative impact of caffeine on their endurance performance. Do you think that's a phenomenon that might exist as well with resistance-trained athletes? Yeah, there's actually one study just recently published. They, they showed a similar effect. But with that being said... Uh, they, both, both of these studies used a similar uh, caffeine supplementation protocol. So they administered caffeine 60 minutes prior to exercise. So if, if we have slow metabolizers of caffeine, maybe they still can increase their performance by supplementing with caffeine, but uh, they just might need to ingest caffeine like 90 minutes before exercise or two hours before exercise. Uh, and that's an area that still needs to be being investigated obviously but uh i'm, I'm kind of when, when when we say that, that there's not non-responders to caffeine i'm kind of skeptical of that because i think everybody can ultimately respond uh only the matter is the optimal pr protocol for the individual absolutely yeah it is amazing how that individualization and that that rate of metabolizing caffeine is probably a key part of this whole story. And as you mentioned, the timing of it becomes then important, whether it's 60 minutes, 90 minutes. And before, yeah. before we dive into that, could you talk a little bit as well about the ability of, um, you know, caffeine to impact pain perception? Cause obviously training intensely elicits a lot of pain. Um, you know, was there any evidence there in your, uh, review on resistance exercise? Yeah. So caffeine, when ingested, caffeine binds to the adenosine receptors. Um, so after binding, caffeine can basically blunt uh, pain. 
and therefore it's all also very common in uh, pain relief medications. So uh, in resistance exercise, uh, it doesn't seem like that a decrease in pain perception contributes to the performance enhancing effects. Um, there are several studies that examine this and you see performance increases in resistance exercise in terms of increased strength or increased endurance and there's no effect on pain perception. In our study, we actually saw a decrease in pain perception, but there was no effect on the improvements in the upper body strength. So the evidence kind of, I don't think that, that it uh, contributes to it, but uh, we, we definitely need more studies on it. And the problem is the ways that we currently measure pain perception. We, we use um, subjective scales, which mm -hmm. may not be completely, uh, may not be the, the best option. I'm not sure what the best option would be, but they're kind of maybe not as accurate as some, uh, uh, as some other models. So For sure. And you know, yeah. in your research, uh, you also found that caffeine ingestion led to some increases in hormones like testosterone, cortisol, following resistance training. Mm -hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit for folks? What's going on here? And is it really having any um, tangible impacts on outcome? Yeah, well, caffeine uh, studies that conduct, conducted thus far do show that caffeine increases testosterone and cortisol release following resistance exercise. But um, there have actually been a couple of studies by Stuart Phillips and his lab. For they sure. actually show that, that, yeah, the changes in muscular strength and increases in muscle size are not correlated to the acute changes in hormone levels. So even if caffeine can alter alter uh, hormone production or increase cortisol or uh, decrease testosterone or even increase testosterone, it's probably not very relevant for people who are interested in supplementing with caffeine for the in the long term. With that being said, there are no long term studies, so we are we can't say for sure. But I'm kind of suspect that it actually even matters. Yeah, likewise. I think as you mentioned, yeah, well said there in the. Obviously, Stu Phillips' recent paper there, the hormone hypothesis, and sort of putting that to bed. And um, you know, you uh, used you know the ranges, the dose ranges in this in your review there, three to nine milligrams per kg. Uh, definitely getting up pretty high towards a seven, eight, nine milligrams per kg. Um, what's the potential effects there for for folks if they are going towards that upper end? And is there sort of a sweet spot uh, for caffeine dose that might elicit some of these benefits for resistance training? Yeah, so currently it seems that the doses anywhere in the range from 3 to 9 uh, milligrams are effective. Uh, but we are talking mostly about, uh, about the uh, capsule form of, ca of caffeine. Uh, there's also a really nice review published a couple of months back where they summarized the studies that examined alternate forms of caffeine like uh, caffeinated gum. And those forms are very often ingested in lower doses, like 100 at like an absolute dose of uh, 100 milligrams. And some of these studies actually show, not not in resistance exercise, but they show that uh, caffeine, even in those alternate forms in lower doses, can be uh, quite powerful. Um, in resistance exercise, there's actually only one such study. It, it's actually an unpublished study. It's a thesis. And they examined um, caffeinated gel, uh, caffeinated gel, and the dose was 75 milligrams, I think, which is quite quite low. 
and they saw a real nice increase in, in strength performance. Mm. We, could, we currently kind of lack through those response studies to see what the optimal doses are. Most of the studies use like six milligrams. And there's not a lot, a lot of studies that, that use three or four or five different doses to see what the optimal effects are. Uh, there's, there's one study that examined the effects of two and five milligrams of caffeine on strength at only five milligrams was effective, but two was not. And in another study, they examined three, six, and nine milligrams. So, and they examined contraction velocity, meaning they, uh, they lifted lower and higher, lo higher loads as fast as possible. And the doses of three and six milligrams were effective for, uh, for, tra for training with uh, 25 and 50% of RM, I believe. But when, they, when the load got up to 90% of RM, only the highest dose was effective, so nine milligrams. Uh, That's so really interesting. Of, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing yeah. the different effects. And of course, as you start pushing past that six milligrams per kg, you know you definitely start getting into that zone of um, potentially things like anxiety or insomnia or impacting things that in the long term could obviously become problematic. But it's as you mentioned there. I mean, if you're training at certain periods of phases of training or sessions where you are going to ninety percent or more, it seems like there could be some good basis there for, for having some sessions with much higher doses. Is that what yeah, are your yeah, thoughts like, there? Yeah, like if you're a power lifter before an important competition, you 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 might try ingesting a, such a higher dose. But doing it over time, I would not recommend. Uh, the, the, the side effects can be pretty, pretty strong. When you actually do studies and when you see the responses from individuals after they ingest even six milligrams of caffeine, the side effects can be be really bad, and there's a, there's actually one study showing that uh, when you ingest caffeine uh, in the evening hours, uh, your sleep quality is uh, hindered. So, like you need, th there needs to be a balance. Uh, do For you sure. want to risk? Do you want to risk poor sleep for a three percent increase in strength? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you got to be really smart about your context and then what what the goals are, and really put that into the individual that's in front of you or the athlete, definitely. Excellent. And and Jozo, if we talk about uh, females and caffeine use, I know in, in Nancy's study it was obviously all males, and the endurance study makes it a little easier to extrapolate um, the findings there. But how do things change for females when we when it comes to caffeine? Is there much research on this topic? There's that. Uh, there's actually been only one study, I think, that examined the effects of caffeine and resistance exercise that included both men and women, and that study showed a similar response. Uh, maybe around 80% of the, of the studies uh, in the current evidence uh, include only men because they're more kind of easier to, to, to investigate because um, in women, based on the phase of the menstrual cycle, uh, the metabolism of caffeine can uh, can change. So in that context, they represent uh, maybe a more complex uh, population to uh, to conduct study on, studies on. In fact, some of the the meta analysis that have done uh, that have been conducted thus far include only studies that are done ex exclusively in men, around eighty percent and above. Some some meta analysis include only studies with men uh, because there are no studies conducted in, in women doing certain exercise tasks. So based on that one study that, uh, that I mentioned briefly, 
it seems that both men and women can experience similar ergogenic effects of caffeine in resistance exercise. But again, that's only one study. Uh, so we obviously need a, a lot more to, to make any firm conclusions on that. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's interesting for, for female athletes and females in general. Obviously, you mentioned the menstrual cycle impacting things. Obviously, the birth control pill would do that as well. So, yeah. you know, for sort of anecdotal N equals one type stuff, I mean, women and female athletes can, can start to see how they feel depending on the cycle of, of that caffeine intake. could be interesting because there could be some different, uh, as you mentioned, uh, effects or in terms of how they respond to caffeine depending on the phase of the cycle, correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. And <clears throat> there are a couple of studies that included only women, and they generally show ergogenic effects in women as well. Uh, but when you extrapolate like recommendations, like that are recommendation that the effects, uh, that the optimal doses are somewhere in the range from three to nine milligrams. Uh, it's mostly based on studies that were done in men. So I'm not sure that the same would apply in women. Uh, but we, as I said, we obviously need many more studies to make any firm conclusions about potential uh, sex differences in the responses to caffeine. And how about in terms of the form of caffeine? I mean, we talked about this before. You mentioned some chewing gums and gels. What about coffee versus uh, supplemental forms of caffeine? Do we know much about if one form is superior or is it all about in terms of the rate in which it's taken up by the body? Mm -hmm. So... I think in 1995, there was, there was one study that examined uh, the effects of caffeine on endurance performance, and they had multiple trials, and including coffee, decaf coffee, and caf uh, coffee with caffeine, and so on. I think it, it was five conditions, and they actually showed that uh, only caffeine in the capsule form was effective for acute in increases in performance. But co uh, coffee, decaf coffee with added caffeine was not. And that's kind of a seminal, seminal study in the area that showed that, uh, you know, if you want to supplement with caffeine, coffee might not be e equally effective. But one limitation of that study is that they used a time to exhaustion test for assessing performance, uh, aerobic endurance performance. And these tests are... Um, kind of notorious for having low reliability, meaning they vary uh, they, uh, a lot day, day to day. Uh, so there may, may, might have been some uh, confounding factors in, in that study, uh, in that older study, but in the studies that have, uh, have done something similar in resistance exercise, they usually show that uh, uh, both coffee and caffeine, if the caffeine dose is matched, are equally equally ergogenic, uh, meaning that you can, it can basically be personal preference, the source of caffeine that you ingest. That's now, good. Now, again, yeah, with that being said, uh, it's kind of hard to match the caffeine dose in, uh, in coffee. And there's actually a really nice, nice paper by Ben Desbro, uh, just recently published. They show how the effects can, uh, how, how the caffeine content can vary day-to-day uh, -day in coffee. So it's kind of, in, in the lab, it's easier to match the doses, but for the general population, it's kind of, it, 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 it can be tricky to, to match the, the caffeine dose if you ingest coffee only. I'm not sure if I'm making any sense here, but... Uh, yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely, it was interesting in that study, they showed obviously the Monday and Tuesday. I'm not sure if it was 
Starbucks or some other coffee chain where the doses were around 400, 500. And as the week went by, the, the amount of caffeine in that same size of coffee was going down to 250 or so. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you just, you sort of don't know what you're getting when you're going to, to get the, a dose from a coffee shop. Now, if someone's more of a recreational exerciser, that might not be an issue unless you're starting to experience a lot of adverse impacts of caffeine, then you may want to start to figure that out. But obviously for athletes, it becomes important, doesn't it, to know the dose and not be um, subject to kind of this varying dose of caffeine, particularly if you're trying to shoot for nine milligrams per kg. Um, you wouldn't want to overshoot that by too much. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you want to be precise, caffeine capsules are probably the easiest. Uh, it's the way to go. And in terms of habituation, I know this is one where previously it was thought that you know athletes and individuals can build up a tolerance and therefore not obtain the same sort of ergogenic benefits from taking caffeine. I've seen research since that uh, disputes that and shows that, you know, we, you're still going to get the benefit regardless if you're habituated or not. Where do things stand on that front, Joseph? Yeah, so as, as, as I mentioned, uh, some of the mechanisms of caffeine relate to its binding to adenosine receptors. So caffeine, when ingested, it, it binds to, to these receptors and can alter like RPE and... Uh, various other factors and therefore enhance performance. So in animal models, they have shown that when you give animals uh, caffeine often, there's an upper, upper, uh, increase in concentration of the adenosine receptors. And based on these animal model studies, they have hypothesized that in people who ingest caffeine on a regular basis, you would not experience the same performance enhancing effects uh, of, of caffeine as, as somebody who does not ingest uh, large quantities of, of, uh, of caffeine daily. Uh, so this topic is kind of, in humans, it's not very well uh, investigated. Some of the initial studies actually show that the magnitude of the effect is greater in the non-caffeine users. There's actually one pop paper by uh, Bell from 2002. Uh, the problems with these studies is that they often classify uh, uh, users and non-users on a broad spectrum, kind of like people who ingest less than 50 milligrams of caffeine per day are classified as low users, and those that ingest, I don't know, above 400 milligrams per day are high users, and they kind of disregard the middle group, uh, which is very re relevant given that the average caffeine intake in the population is around 160 milligrams per day. And it, these studies are, are kind of that show that the magnitude of the effects differ between uh, low and high users are limited given that they don't use any validated questionnaires for assessing habitual intake, which is probably the most important thing to, to use from, from, a methodolo uh, from a study design perspective. And there's actually been a recent study, I think it was published a year ago, by a group from Brazil. And they classified the participants as low, moderate, and high users, and used a validated questionnaire. So they addressed some of the limitations from the previous study designs. And they actually showed, they used a cycling time trial test, and they showed that the improvements were equally equal in all three groups, so even the low and moderate and high uh, habitual caffeine users. Interesting. In exercise, yeah, there's no st such studies. We actually have a ongoing study 
where we are examining three different doses and the effects between low and high users. And but the data collection is still um, is still in process, so I'm, I'm not sure what the results going to be in resistance exercise. But I don't see any reason why the the effects would differ between a, a cycling time trial test and resistance exercise. Um, Gotcha. In terms of, in terms of the uh, washout period, is it around four days? Is that is that accurate? If someone did want to uh, you know, go through that dehabituation process, what's the washout period for caffeine? Yeah, the, the caffeine half life is is usually around four to six hours. Um, not actually hundred percent sure when the, the when the caffeine is totally cleared out out of the system. But I'm, I'm guessing you're right. Kind of three to four days, probably. And it's interesting you mentioned there kind of the average intake being 160 milligrams. I know um, when, when it's reported in, in the news and, and the blogs and whatnot, they'll often tell folks, you know, three cups of coffee in a day. And, of course, in the study, that's around 300 milligrams. And, you know, obviously the cups of coffee are getting bigger and bigger, especially over here in North America. So I think yeah. sometimes there's a bit of translation issue because I know a, you know a venti size at Starbucks might have 450, 500 milligrams. Uh, so if, yeah, yeah. If, if folks are having three of those a day, it's it's a big, you know, the, the, you mentioned dosing before. It's a far different effect, isn't it, than having just the three eight ounce cups of coffee? Yeah, exactly. Th those studies uh, that report the average intake are, I think, are done probably in two thousand and thirteen or fourteen. So I'm not sure if, the, if anything has changed. Maybe the average intake in the population is uh, kind of increased in the last couple of years. I'm guessing it ha that it has increased. Probably. And you mentioned the chewing gums, obviously taken up in the buccal mucosa more rapidly. And, and is that something that you know team sport athletes might be thinking about using as a halftime intervention to support performance, or potentially if someone is um, competing in an event to be able to to time that? Because I know a lot of these events, especially powerlifting, can can take you know go on throughout the course of the entire day. Uh, so, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So you in the in general, in studies that, that use capsules, they use a timing of 60 minutes pre-exercise, um, which would be kind of too slow for uh, a soccer player who wants to ingest caffeine in the, in the halftime. So there's actually been one timing study, uh, and they examined the effects of caffeine uh, in the form of chewing gum. I think it was five minutes prior to exercise, 30 and 60 minutes prior to exercise, I think, I'm not too sure. And the if effects were uh, significant only when the, when the uh, chewing gum was given five minutes prior to exercise. So that kind of shows that how fast caffeine can absorb um, when administered in uh, chewing gums. So it, it can definitely be a strateg strategy for, uh, for athletes and for the general population as well. If you need a fast, uh, fast acting... Yeah, yeah, quick hit for sure. Yeah, and Joseph, what about if we kind of shift gears to a general population again and talk, you know, blood pressure? If if someone does have a history of high blood pressure, does caffeine, you know, acutely affect blood pressure? Does it affect it in the long term? Yeah, so there have been a couple of studies that examined the effects of caffeine on blood pressure in resistance exercise, and the evidence it's kind of it's all over the place. Um, some studies do show an increase. But the increase is kind of small. It's uh, it, it's not it's not a large increase in blood pressure. But if you're working with somebody, or if you're an individual who has high blood pressure, um, you might kind of use lower doses of caffeine because caffeine increases blood pressure in a dose response manner, meaning that uh, 
the larger doses, the larger the increase in blood blood pressure. So, if if you have high blood pressure, maybe try to ingest lower, or try experimenting with lower doses of caffeine. Um, it it may also increase heart rate. So it kind of it ne- it needs to be put in, into context if uh, if you have some issues with high blood pressure or increased heart rate, maybe caffeine is not for you. Yeah, I mean, definitely, as you mentioned, getting down towards that lower dose, I think people consume greater doses than they're than they're aware of. I know Dr. Ian Dunican was on before talking about rugby players and their pre-match use of caffeine and a lot of them, as a lot of athletes do, you know, adding two or three scoops of the powdered caffeine versus just one and, and not realizing they already have caffeine in their pre-workout. Um, but obviously, you know, studies showing for people who do regularly consume ca- uh, coffee, uh, there are no associations or important effects of long-term coffee consumption on on blood pressure or risk of hypertension. But of course, you definitely want to talk to your doctor um, about that. So appreciate the insights there, Jozo, and definitely appreciate you carving out the time here. So I want to respect your time uh, here today and, and ask you a few final questions here. You know. Mm-hmm. In terms of the evolution of research around, you know, caffeine use as it relates to, you know, resistance training, even endurance training or athletic performance, where do you think things are going in the next sort of five or ten years? Well, we actually just finished. We are actually actually just finishing up a paper where we kind of highlighting some of the the areas that need further further study, and I uh, I think some of the interesting areas are pertain to the time of day when you ingest caffeine. Uh, for instance, our muscular abilities such as strength tend to be lower in the morning hours and then they peak in the evening hours. And there, there's been one study that examined the effects of caffeine both in the in the morning hours and in the evening hours. And then they showed an increase in morning, uh, but not in the evening hours. Interesting. So, yeah, because our abilities are uh, naturally reduced. In the morning, there's uh, probably a greater potential for caffeine to be effective in the morning hours. If your strength levels are peak at 6 uh, in the evening and you ingest caffeine, then there's probably not a lot of uh, area for improvement uh, improvement with uh, caffeine ingestion. And I, there's only been a couple of studies and they generally showed a similar uh, effect. So I think that's probably one of the the areas that that's going to be investigated in future studies. Um, Other areas include timing of caffeine ingestion, as we spoke about uh, for different genotypes. Uh, I think that's going to probably receive uh, more more attention in the future. Um, Other areas probably relate to the optimal dose of caffeine. As I said, there's not a lot of dose response studies, and that's kind of the basic question for somebody who wants to consume caffeine. Uh, it's how much caffeine should I ingest? And we still don't have a clear answer on that topic. Uh, so, yeah, th- those are probably some of the areas that are, I think will receive much more attention in the, in the future studies. Yeah, fascinating stuff, the circadian rhythms and sort of chrononutrition of what time of day you're taking that in and how it impacts is, is really uh, fascinating to me so looking forward to seeing that come out and Joseph for yourself if you're giving advice here to, to listeners to athletes to practitioners you know what's a simple piece of advice or one piece of, of key advice that you would give around this topic of caffeine for resistance exercise uh, be careful with the dose that would be probably my <laughs> nice 
Yeah, in our study that we did, we used six milligrams of caffeine, which is kind of considered as a moderate uh, caffeine dose. And some of the participants reported really strong side effects, like they could not sleep for the entire night after the ingestion of caffeine. Or you can see kind of like the personality of people changes when they ingest caffeine. They become so amped up. Uh, I don't know, I think like the... The, the dose of caffeine is probably the most important thing, and you always want to start with a the least uh, the le- with a smaller dose of caffeine. You don't want to jump into six milligrams uh, when you're starting supplementing with, with caffeine. Maybe try one uh, one milligram per kilogram and go on from there. Uh, yeah, but the caffeine dose probably is the most important thing. Great advice. Yeah, definitely a minimal effective dose seems to apply really well yeah. to this topic. And, and Joseph, yeah. I think that the question everyone's waiting to hear here for yourself, you know, I assume you're a coffee drinker. Uh, if you yeah. are, what, uh, you know, what's your coffee habits in terms of the type of coffee amounts? Uh, uh, espresso coffee. Uh, and usually three, three per day. And I think I'm kind of, uh, I need to maybe increase it uh, because I'm, uh, the effects seem to uh, be getting smaller and smaller. And I know that I'm an addict to coffee, uh, given that on one occasion I actually drink, drink a decaf coffee without me knowing it was a decaf coffee. And I had such bad side effects uh, the day, a uh, couple of hours later. So I definitely need my, my coffee, three cups per day. It's, it's usually the norm for me now, but uh, I might even increase it. Yeah, I imagine as you're getting through to finishing your PhD, the consumption goes up with uh, the closer you get to, to finishing that up, probably, right? Yeah, that would actually be an interesting slide. <laughs> awesome, Joseph. Listen, I really appreciate you taking the time. Where can people stay connected with you on uh, social media and keep up with your phenomenal research? Uh, well, I'm on ResearchGate. You can just type in my name. It, it will pop up. And I'm also on Twitter, so you can follow me there. Awesome. We'll definitely include links to yourself on those social platforms as well as the papers discussed here in the show notes at drbubs.com forward slash podcast. Uh, Thanks again, Jozo, for coming on. Thanks again for everyone else tuning in. If you have any questions for Jozo or want to leave a comment on today's episode, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at drbubs. Of course, if you enjoyed the show, uh, please share on your favorite platform. Also, if you want to take a minute, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favorite podcasting platform. Leave us a comment. Also greatly appreciated. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you guys all next week. The Dr. Bub's Performance Podcast endeavors to provide accurate and helpful information to listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Dr. Bub's Performance Podcasts.